0: Hi, I'm Geeta and I'm Swati. Welcome to Season 2 of the Autism Everyday Podcast. If you missed out on Season 1, then we strongly recommend you catch up on all the goodness. And just a little heads up for all you newbies. Geeta and I are both certified behavior analysts. We run WeCan, a resource center for Autism in Chennai. And we are passionate about parent training, education, baking, And, of course, ASD. And not to forget dogs. Oh,
1: sure. You might hear them every now and then. Please forgive (laughs) us for that. So we love hearing from you all. And we are particularly happy when parents reach out to us with questions, comments. And because each of these things makes us actually think. And the feedback we got at the end of Season 1 was overwhelming and amazing all at once. One parent reached out to us after listening to our podcast and asked us something that got us thinking and her question was this, if I don't send my child to a mainstream school, what are the options that I have? Where can he go? Does it mean that he will just be sitting at home for the rest of his life and not receive any education at all?
0: So before we answer that question, we'd like to go a little into early childhood development. And speak about your child's mental and emotional health. It's a known fact that the first five years of your child's life are particularly important for the development of the brain. The first three years are spent shaping the child's brain architecture. Think of it like constructing a building. A strong foundation provides for years of structural strength, minimal damage, And likewise, a weak foundation can get in the way of the quality and strength of the building you are trying to construct. So to draw parallels to the brain, adverse experiences in these early years translate into negative effects that last well into adulthood.
1: And not so great a foundation, right? So let's pause and take a look at Autism. Social impairments are a hallmark of Autism child with ASD has a very very limited understanding of the world around him. He is not making a lot of inferences or rather he is making some connections based on cause and effect that may or may not be true but not making some other very crucial inferences. He still depends predominantly on the responses and reactions to his behaviours that he receives from people around him. Of course this is much like a neurotypical child too except that the dependence here is amplified thanks to his limited understanding of the world. What happens when this dependent child is put into traditional uh, educational setup such as a daycare, a school, or a Montessori system? Now, bear with us as we go a little bit into neuroscience, where there are decades of research that indicate that early childhood experiences alter and affect brain development. So, why is this important? Well, for one, Knowing exactly how experiences can affect a child's brain empowers you with the knowledge that you can make choices for the betterment of your child's development and of course avoid experiences that can have an adverse effect. This knowledge can also help us possibly undo some damage to the extent possible of course by providing the child with a safe, nurturing, um, you know, secure and emotionally stable environment.
0: That's true. In the first three years, a child's brain has up to twice as many synapses as it would in adulthood. The child's senses collect information from the environment and transmit it to the brain and this input stimulates neural activity. Experiences are also recorded in the brain and they trigger neural activity. So speech sounds like the sound of a mother talking to her infant, that stimulates activity in areas of the brain that deal with language. So when a child is spoken to often and is given a whole lot of sensory social interaction, synapses between the neurons in that area will be activated frequently. Repeated activation strengthens the synapse. And what happens when synapses aren't activated enough? They become weak and they're pruned out during the elimination process. This impacts networks that support learning, memory and other cognitive abilities. So this sounds pretty great, right? Yeah ensure your child meets with positive interactions during the early years and you think you're setting him up for success? Bingo! (laughs) Well, there's more to the story. Because experiences have such a great potential to impact the brain development of the child, the same child is extremely vulnerable to negative influences in these years. So what are some possible negative influences? For one... Screaming or any form of violence against the child. Screaming, hitting, anything that is negative. A home environment where there are lots of raised voices, where there's perceived anger, Mm -hmm. violence, where the child is not at the receiving end of the violence, but he is witness to it.
1: True, true.
0: Inconsistencies in your child's routines and schedules So important Being placed in an environment where he feels lost in a crowd Confused, unable to make sense of what is going on Like a daycare facility yeah. Not being provided the means to communicate appropriately Which mm-hmm. is particularly important if your child is Your toddler is on the spectrum And of course insufficient physical
1: and mental stimulation Right so, going back to uh, autism, uh, we all know that a child with autism is dealing with social and language deficits and can display repetitive behaviors, um, maybe much as a coping mechanism, right? And is really speaking kind of lost during his early years. He's still f- trying to f- make sense of a lot of things. So, putting him into a space or an environment that further confuses him such as a daycare or a school or even a play school can have reverse effects. Like we think it's going to stimulate him, it can on the contrary make him feel isolated and possibly even stressed sometimes. And why so? Because his basic needs of being enabled to communicate are not met. He's placed in a crowd. Remember this is a child with autism and sometimes for him. Three is a crowd. Yeah, three is a crowd. Enough, right? He's not stimulated simply because he hasn't been given the intervention required to absorb and learn from the environment. Something that his neurotypical counterpart can seamlessly do. So, what can you do for your child with ASD? First, in the early years, provide intensive early intervention that provides him with play skills communication and all the interaction he needs to activate and strengthen the right synapses. Second, find the right environment for him as he grows, one where his unique needs are met while he continues to receive mental stimulation without being put in a spot or being made to feel anxious and stressed out. Three, do what is best for your child, not what is best for you or your parents or your extended family or the neighbors or society but for your child remember your child is born of you and not for you that is possibly my most favorite and most overused
0: quote Absolutely, (laughs) but i love that line in every context absolutely (laughs) your child is born of you and not for you so taking a quick look at mainstream school before we dive deep into the alternatives schooling doesn't exactly equip your child to do what they want to do or even give them a chance to explore what they would like to do. For starters, the curriculum is prescribed. It is predetermined that at a particular class and at a particular age, this is what your child should be learning. Who decides that your child needs to know this? Without that, he is a failure or he's held back a year or even worse, given a support staff or a shadow to ensure he does what he's expected to do.
1: Yeah, this probably has been derived from years of the education system and, you know, um, somebody in all their wisdom decided that by the time you leave school, these are the topics and subjects that you need to have mastered. And uh, I think we have spoken about this before. If you look back at the number of things that we studied in school and if we ask ourselves what we remember from that vast ocean that we struggled through, we can pin it down to alphabets and reading. Um, something that we learned in school, numbers and the four basic functions using numbers. And for everything beyond three digits, of course, we have calculators, <laughs> which have now graduated into being a part of the mobile phone that you carry around with you. So some things that we were made to memorize in school also remain with us even today. But is that justified outcome of 12 years of education? Or in other words, do we need to waste 12 years of our child's life for him to learn the multiplication tables, alphabets and numbers? Um, Teach him how to sit still and not talk to anyone and better yet, never ask any questions. (laughs) Right. In short, schools don't teach anything except how to obey orders and be compliant. So true, so true. The
0: average classroom of 2019, and I'm saying 2019 because, hey, classrooms don't exactly exist in 2020, thanks to the pandemic, which just might be a good
1: thing. Yeah.
0: Anyway, a classroom in 2019 looks pretty much like a classroom in 2010, and in the year 2000, and 1995, and so on. I wouldn't know before that, but <laughs> so on, <laughs> except... Um, Some might now have a smart board. And if you go to a fancy international school, then you probably have air conditioning,
1: yeah,
0: right? But nothing else has changed. Bags still weigh a ton, consisting of books that are for some reason wrapped in brown paper. There are class books and there are homework books and subjects that are shoved down kids throats regardless of whether it will help them or not. Mm. So where exactly does this leave your child with ASD? Does he fit into this? I don't think so. Will he learn the multiplication tables, numbers and alphabets? Maybe but does that require 12 years of being sent to school with somebody shadowing him? And most importantly, what what will he do with that knowledge? Will it help him live an independent life? Will he be able to care for his own needs, his own hygiene, keep himself occupied both for leisure and for
1: work? These are some things to think about. Mm, That's true. So let's go back to looking at alternatives to schooling. There is homeschooling. We have spoken about this before uh, in a previous podcast do scroll down on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for Homeschooling part 1 and 2 to hear what we have to say about it. Then there is unschooling, which is often confused with homeschooling. It's a term coined by John Holt, a classroom teacher and a great believer of self-led or natural learning or what we call self-directed learning. Unschooling works heavily on the assumption that the child is innately motivated uh, to learn and that parents have time on their hands to be with the child the major difference between homeschooling and unschooling is of course the approach to learning in a homeschooling environment the parent takes on the role of the educator they plan lessons assign work for the children and the children can ultimately take a standardized test and pursue a college education if they so wish right and, and they, if can. they, can. they yeah. can yeah yeah
0: an unschooler, on the other hand, goes by a more self-led strategy where he may pick only what he wants to learn and leave out the rest. So this may or may not make him ready for a standardized testing situation or college life. But w- while we say that, just FYI, there are unschoolers who made it to college and went on to do super great things. Yeah, true. So when we take children on the spectrum, we realize three things. A. They require structured learning preferably one-to-one. B, the mainstream education structure gives little for them to learn from. And C, they are all not always self-led learners. Or rather, their range of interests can be so restricted, calling for some intervention from adults to broaden their scope of learning.
1: Yeah, just to I, actually explore and, and figure that there is more, right? Sometimes they don't even have the wherewithal to do that. Then there is... ABA based intervention where the child receives <coughs> hours equivalent to a formative schooling system um, that targets his core deficits of language and social skills and works on skill building and literacy and numeracy if he is ready for it, of course. So, a combination between homeschooling and an ABA based intervention or ABA based schooling would possibly work towards helping a child learn and learn in a way that is effective and of course, importantly, beneficial for him and for the family.
0: Oh, yeah. A very interesting paper we came across called Square Pegs in, a, in Round Holes explores the mainstream schooling experiences of children with ASD. And that sort of emphasizes on the misfits that these children are in the system. So children with ASD are reported to experience high rates of bullying, both in the primary and secondary school levels, resulting in a dip in their self-esteem, lower levels of support from peers, and a general reluctance to go to school. The stress of the academic expectations, coupled with social norms, have resulted in children with ASD exhibiting really high rates of maladaptive behaviours as coping mechanisms. So this really makes you... Think. Do you still want your child to go to school? Yes? No? Maybe? I don't know. (laughs) Send us your answers. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at wechallengeautism at gmail.com or you can DM us at wechallengeautism on Instagram and Facebook. And while you're at it, don't forget to check out our blog, behaviorswag.com. that's B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R-S-W-A-G.com. More on this topic will be up on our blog shortly. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. Stay safe and see you next time.